Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is one of those beautiful Sundays. The weather is getting better here in New York City. Almost uh, t-shirt weather, so definitely happy about that. Today, man, before we even jump into these uh, these special guests that we have coming or that will be here today, um, I want to just do a quick catch-up with you. I'll give you some of the progress that's been taking place with the CYL team and also with me personally. You know, we've been making some progress and I I run a a young men's leadership group out in Queens at a high school. And my guys have made tremendous progress and they're actually very excited about their presentations that they have coming up where they get to expand on and share uh, with the staff at the school about their lifestyles that they want to achieve and their career role models and, you know, what it's going to take, the things that they have to change right now in order to become who they want to be. And so this is going to be a great presentation uh, for them and a platform for them to really show who it is that they are and that they want to become. So definitely happy and proud of those guys who have been working at this for a few months. And so, you know, I'm going to have them all dressed in, in its, uh, pants and a tie with a nice shirt and they, they're going to do their thing. And we've been prepping. And so I'm just very, very excited about that. Uh, this week has definitely thrown some curveballs. Uh, <laughs> The boiler at my house broke, so it's been a little chilly. <laughs> I definitely have, have missed out on a lot of sleep this week because uh, someone very close to me was in the hospital in the ER room, and so I was there for, may I would say, over 24 hours. Uh, that day I was awake over 24 hours, yeah, definitely making sure that she was okay and uh, just tending to uh, all of her needs to, you know, of course, make sure that the family is well. And then, you know, there's been a lot of great things that have transpired behind the scenes here at uh, Create Your Life. Definitely had our quarterly meeting and, you know, excited about the vision and, you know, new branding opportunities and conversations that have been taking place amongst us. So definitely amazing and, you know, just pushing, pushing forward. But I think one of the biggest takeaways about that is, is that no matter what the challenges are that come up, you still have to push through them and you have to sharpen, grow from them and don't commit the same mistakes over. And when I say that in terms of sharpening, even though that we have a successful show that's been running for over a year now, I still went to a live podcasting event and networking event in order to learn more and to push, you know, the show to the next level. And I think that we just can't let things uh, stop us or throw us off. And we also have to be aware of how great we are and that even when being great, you still have to uh, continue to grow. And so I also want to say a special congratulations to my chapter of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, the New York alumni chapter. We just celebrated 80 years um, of service to the community and in the bond, uh, the second oldest chapter in the northeastern province. So definitely happy about that. It was a great celebration last night. And 
you know, I had the opportunity. I'm going to have a speaking engagement coming up next week in Portland, Oregon. So very, very excited about that. Get to go out there, spend some time with my cousins and with uh, my aunt and actually my grandma, who's in her 90s. So still sharp. And it'll be great sitting and chatting, talking with her and spending time with my cousins and, you know, nieces and nephews. So looking forward to that. And last but not least, stay tuned because someone who is very, very influential and has been influential in my life since I was 18 years old is actually here in New York City. And he has actually been a guest on the show. And so he is going to make a special guest appearance for you guys, for the Create Your Life Series family. So, of course, you know, when, you get, when we bring him on, you know, feel free to give us a call, 212-650-6903. And like I was saying before, uh, definitely have the opportunity to have somebody in the studio who is a near and dear big brother, friend, father-like figure, but not really older than me. And he's actually here in New York City celebrating his... 40th birthday so I'm a lot younger I've made a mistake on that (laughs) and uh you know he's man has such a a profound impact on myself and other uh students who've had the opportunity to cross his way so uh I want you please uh Dr. Raphael X Moffitt please say hello to the Create Your Life series family hello 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 I hope everybody's doing well I'm glad to be here yes so Moff uh you are here you're in New York not your first time Mm mm-hmm um, and you're celebrating your birthday, man. How's the experience been so far? It's been great. It's been great. My goal was to hit all of the boroughs, so I almost I got I got them almost done. I'm, I'm out of here tomorrow evening, so I got a little bit more work to do. But it's been great. So, what boroughs have you had the opportunity uh, to hit so far? Manhattan, Brooklyn, going to Queens tonight, and then I'm going to take the ferry to Staten, literally touch down and turn around and come back. Okay. And you you did BX yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, first day. First day, Bronx. Yeah. Yep. Okay, okay. Cool, cool, yep. man. You you moving and shaking. Hey, man. Life, life. You gotta live life. <laughs> so, what has been your favorite part of the experience this time around? Um, you know, I haven't I haven't had an opportunity to spend a lot of time in Brooklyn when I've come before. Yeah. So, uh, I think we've been out there twice already. I went for Tamla Mann's concert. I'm mm-hmm. um, at the King Theater. Okay. And then uh, we went to church today over at Hezekiah Walker's church love fellowship I believe and then um we ate it we went and ate at peaches so. oh yeah peaches is a staple in Brooklyn how'd you like it it was so good so good <laughs> worth the commute very much so you gonna do it again next time you come back yeah 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 <laughs> okay be, yeah I'm not on the, I'm not on the time frame I'm here hanging out man so I, I do it <laughs> okay so question for you you've been working um in education for quite some time now you are newly the um vice president of student activities at texas southern university formerly at langston university with Mm -hmm. the same job how do you like how was that transition and how do you like being at the new school um well uh texas southern is in downtown houston so it's literally in the heart of the city Mm -hmm. um langston was in the country i mean very rural you know and i'm a city dude so um, serving the, I serve the same, um, I guess, population of students. Most of them are first generation college students, you know, mm-hmm. first time they're even, even talking about or being anywhere near college. So I really love working with that population. Um, and so same population, but just doing it in a, in a larger, you know, setting, um, larger city. And then we have 9,000 students at TSU, whereas at Langston, it was only, you know, 1,500. Okay. So... 
it's, 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 I mean, a lot more challenges, but a lot more opportunities as well. So I'm loving Houston. Okay. Question for you. So both of those schools, I know you, you've had the opportunity. You worked at Clark Atlanta University, Morehouse College, um, Langston, and now Texas Southern. How important are HBCUs uh, for students uh, of color today, oh. uh, just in general? Extremely vital. Extremely vital. I think um, beyond beyond the legacy and tradition and all of those pieces that that come with it, in, in the nurturing and high touch, um, you know, a high touch feel that it gives. I think it's also a critical place. HBCUs are different for everybody. So, mm. you know, you could have the suburban student who doesn't never even been around, you know, black people like that come to an HBCU and get that part of them that's been missing. You know, you get somebody who's grown up in an urban environment around all black people and they come and they're like more of the same, you know, and then you get um, just, a, just a different mix of students that make the HBCU their own where they're not a number. They're not just somebody passing through. I mean, professors have your cell number. They have your social media They're They want you to succeed. So I think they're critical. And in our, you know, political climate, I would, you know, argue that HBCUs are are going to be the safest places for students of color um, and underserved populations to be over the next four to six years. So the the relevant conversation for me has been dead, but it's really dead now. I mean, we would have no modern civil rights um, movement, infrastructure, anything without probably or arguably the most famous, you know, HBCU alum in Martin Luther King Jr. So, you know, and that's just one that everybody knows about, but the list goes on and on and on of what, what HBCUs have done for the likes of Oprah Winfrey and others. No, I mean, definitely. And I think Oprah Winfrey is actually an alumni of uh, Tennessee, Tennessee State. State yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and it's funny because for those who don't know, who, who haven't listened to uh, Dr. Moffitt's uh, episode on here, Dr. Moffitt was my hall director when I was a freshman in college. And I literally came up to this guy and was like, dude, you have to be my mentor. And, you know, he was like, OK. And so I literally used to go and bug this guy every single day. But when you talk about that high touch and being able to really um, see the impact and really have access to people, you know, like I can personally attest to that, man. And, and it's funny because you you've seen myself and so many other guys grow. <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing. Very much so. Oh, man, because I remember. Oh, I remember when I only wore Jordans and Air Maxes and. Long white tees. Long white t-shirts. And the and, signature beanie. And the beanie. you still have, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, you got to keep the beanie. Yeah. Something yeah. got to stay. It's critical. It's cold up here, too. So, you know. Man, chilly. Not wearing a beanie in Houston. Mm, that sounds like good life right there. Very much so. <laughs> so what, what has been some, who have been some of your, uh, give us some stories about your favorite students and what you've seen them accomplish or uh, do uh, under your influence and, and as they've went on to grow. Um. There's been so many, some that, you know, students have taught me a lot more than I think I've taught them. Mm. And so, you know, one was, I, I, I mean, a, a funny story, but a good life lesson was uh, Charles from D.C. Was his name Charles? Oh, yeah, Charles. So, I Charles. So, man, Charles, if you're out there in the world, man, I hope you're doing well. I haven't spoke with you to you in, in a long time, man. I hope everything is good. But Charles was, I mean, your quintessential straight city. I'm from D.C. trying to do this college thing, but still... You know, very much D.C. and in the street. And I remember, man, I w he would be rolling dice and have like a dice game going on in his room. And I'd catch him and he'd be like, all right, well, you know, you call me mom. So, you know, what's what's the what's what, what's my sanction or what, what are we going to do? And, you know, every time I gave him one, 
he did it to a T. And anybody that was in the room with him or that was doing something bad, it's like he made them do it too. So I know they were trying to get away with it. He was like, nah, you know, we got caught. You know what I'm saying? We're going to live up to it. But the coldest thing he told me one day, you know, he came in my room. He's like, Ma, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do when you catch me. But, <laughs> but, but he said, but you got to catch me. <laughs> I love it, that, It dude. was cold, and I was like, that's fair game. I can't really be mad at yeah, that, you, you know. And, 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 and the life lesson for me was, you know, people can hold themselves accountable. Yeah. Everybody doesn't want to, but Charles would do. And, I mean, he wouldn't do anything egregious. It would just be little things that, that you know, we sh- they shouldn't do. But every time I caught him, he was like, yep, okay, so I got to do these community service hours. Let's, like, how many I got? Ten? All right, cool. You got ten, too, because you was in there with me. And I just think, you know, people holding themselves accountable was, was it, it, that lesson came by a funny kind of way where most people would be like, no, no, I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It, it was him, it wasn't me, and trying to lie. And I'm like, I can't do nothing but respect that man because he, he owned up to whatever he wanted to do, mm-hmm. when he wanted to do it. Right. And he was like, you catch me, you good. If you don't, then, you know, I'm going to live. And I was like, you know. I think I feel like that that's leadership right there. It is. You know, in, in multiple ways. Number one, in, in, you know, taking the good and the bad and then also having the influence to make sure that your your team, yeah. <laughs> no matter what the team's doing, yeah, yeah. that they, you know, everybody's rolling together. So that's that's interesting. Any other stories, man? Like, and then bless seeing us. You, you know, seeing you grow up, you know, and, and, and I mean, coming from straight from, you know, Northern California, Vallejo to Clark Atlanta. I mean, I, first of all, I applaud all my Brawley guys out there that came out that year because I got into Clark uh, at 18. I wouldn't have made it. I mean, there's too many distractions, too much going on. You yeah. know, it would have been a big transition for me coming from, you know, Washington to to Atlanta. But but seeing you guys grow was was amazing. And, I mean, I think you, you, spoke, you spoke to mentorship. And I think for, for me seeing you, that's one thing that I think you did that, that a lot of people don't do. They don't go out and seek out. And say, I want you to be my mentor, and I'm going to hold you accountable, and whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do, you know. And there, it's a, it's a it's a relationship that's that needs to be fostered, you know what I mean? And so, um, and I hate mornings, and I mean, you you held my feet <laughs> to the fire. You like you gonna get up every morning and work out with me? I'm gonna make the basketball team, and I couldn't do anything but respect that because I'm like, so all I got to do is wake up, work out with them, and then you know I can go back to bed or do whatever I'm gonna do. But if I didn't take that time. You yeah. know, it could have changed the trajectory, not your collegiate trajectory, but like you might have been like, well, all right, I'm 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 cool on the basketball team because I'm cool on him, you know. And so that that connection that we need to have with people is is super critical um, to help them aspire to do whatever it is and give them the nudge or push or just know that I got somebody in my corner that's going, you know, be with me when the chips are down or when I'm winning. I could look up in the stands and know that, yeah, we, it, it took us some work to get here, you know, and, and to celebrate that, too. So, you know, I think for you, I mean, seeing you all the way transition from Air Max <laughs> to very, very baggy jeans to, you know, being a dude that's, that's you know, still very much California, but very much um, renaissance in, in a lot of ways. And then also... Um, has a has an expanded mind, you know, and I think that that comes through, you know, a lot of different experiences. So it's, it's been cool to see you, you know, grow. And I tell I tell everybody, you got the gene that I don't got. You got the entrepreneurial like DNA that, like, I know where I'm going on Monday. I'm going to work and I'm going to a space, and I know I'm what I'm gonna be doing. You're like, nah, I'm gonna create my own space. I'm gonna create my own lane. Create my own life, you know. And and I can't do anything but applaud that because it takes a it takes a different 
approach to life to do that. You know, everybody can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. You know, I can do like 15 things on the side to create some other lanes in my life. But I need one established lane to make sure that I'm moving across this trajectory. So just to see you live that ex- existence and to be real about it, you know, because some cats are entrepreneurs, but then some cats are fake with it. Yeah. You know. Nah, definitely a lot of front, man. I know for for a fact in the Create Your Life series, fam, this is, you know, just being 100% transparent. Like when I've called Moffitt when I was, uh, man, sleeping out on the train, you know, uh, homeless or, you know, when I just was like, dude, I don't know what to do. Should I go to college? I mean, should I go get a doctorate degree? You know, trying to find different outlets and ways to get away from the work that I, it is that I know that I should be doing. And, you know, it's just always that great sounding board of him being like, like when I asked you about the being, getting a doctorate degree, you were like, do you want to do research? And I was like, no. What you want a doctorate degree for? What you going to do with it? And, you know, just those questions and that trust there, you know what I mean? That, that, that big brotherness, it just, it has made a huge difference in my life. So much so that I became a member of Kappa Alpha Psi because you was a member of Kappa Alpha Psi because you are a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. You know, and I just when I saw you and had the opportunity to um, to witness your the way that you interacted with people and stuff like that, man, I was like, dude, I want to be like this, dude. And I never I'm a person like I don't want to be like anybody like I'm I'm Kev. (laughs) You feel me? Like I'm always going to be, you know, me 200 percent. But if I ever had to admit that I stole a little bit of somebody's swag, it would definitely have to be you. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) But I think we all, you know, we try to we try to emulate good behaviors and things that help us be successful. I've done it. I do it. You know, so I think it's it's only natural to do that. But you said something that's critical as well. You were you 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 have to find who you are in the mix of that, in the midst of that, excuse me. And that comes from a lot of success, failure, reflection, you know, and that reflection piece, that's probably, and being in New York and turning 40, I would, you would never told a 20-year-old Raphael that would ever been 40. Like, nobody in the studio is thinking that I'm going to be 40 one day. Right. You just think it's a number that's way off and, you know, but, you know, look in the last maybe like six, seven months, I've been kind of reflecting on some things and looking out over some things. And one thing that I am very happy and resolute in is, is, keeping it real with myself on the Mm -hmm. stuff that I'm good at, the stuff that I'm bad at, you know, the stuff that I need to improve, the stuff that probably won't improve. You know, it's just kind of, this is who I am, and I need to be able to work around that challenge or to accentuate this thing more. Like, self-awareness is critical. You, Everybody can fake and lie all day long and make and paint a picture, you know, for what they want the world to view them as or... Yeah. Looking on their world and go, oh, it was like that. But you can't fake for yourself. Right. Because you got to lay down with you. And, and look in the mirror. That's real. And it never lies. Mm. It never lies. Even like we can be fresh to death, you know, hair done, bar, you know, got a cut, new fit, going to the best event. But if you're empty and, you know, not right on the inside, when you go back home and close the door, you know it still. It was just a distraction for a couple hours to not think about it. But you got to really... You know, take the time. If you're going to create your life, right? you have to know what that creating part means and to be able to facilitate it appropriately. And some people just want a your life or a life. But, man, that stuff, it doesn't happen by itself. Success doesn't happen overnight. And you success know. doesn't happen by itself, by no. yourself. You're not going to reach it by yourself. The number one thing that I hear working with students, right? Mm-hmm. 
number one thing I hear is, you know, I'm doing this on my own. Ain't nobody really helping me like that. Like, I, like I got to do this all on my own. And 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 what I what they're saying is that I have a lot of challenges in my life that are barriers and distractions and 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 things that I need to overcome. But nobody's doing this by themselves. Mm. Nobody. Nobody gets to where they. Nobody is a self-made anything. I don't care what anybody says, because nobody on this planet can just say I woke up, had an idea, created it in, independently without anybody's help, and became a huge success for doing it. Nobody. Everybody depended on somebody. It could be a piece of advice. It could be monetary. It could be, hey, man, here's the plug. But nobody's done that on their own. So everybody needs to, you know, connect themselves to a, a, a wave or momentum that helps to get them down the road that they need to be, that they, that they say they want to they want to travel. And where you put your energy, you mm -hmm. know, is where. Yeah, where focus goes, energy flows. There you go. You know, I want to talk about sustaining and, and maintaining in life. Uh, most recently, you were, uh, you actually beat cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know, uh, colon cancer to be exact, yep. right? Yeah. And so I want to know how has that uh, impacted you and, you know, your your vision and outlook on life now? Uh, man, in, in every way, every way. Um, man, when you, when you grapple with mortality... And know that at some point in time, well, 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 for me to know, at some point in time, I'm going to leave this earth, yeah. you know, and you're going through a process to to stop that from happening, you know, with the with the, you know, chemotherapy and surgeries and all of this stuff, you know, you think about what's important and what I've learned is that the the big things in life that we say we want, like, you know, I want this type of you know career path and I want you know these type of opportunities. Those things are not important. What's important is being able to wake up and know that you have a, a couple people in this life that you need to stay connected to forever because at some point in time, it's going to be over. And you don't want to look back and go, man, I wish I would have called her or texted him more or gave a hug or smiled at somebody or paid him that compliment because those are the things that, you know, people will miss about us. Like, no, I've, I've worked at six schools. They're all going to be fine whether I work there or not. Mm. You know, so while we're trying to climb and I got to get it and, you know, and, and society's telling us, you know, get as much as you can, as fast as you can. Really, man, you need to focus on, you know, being the best person you can while you have the opportunity to do it. Because mm. our breath is going to leave our body at some point in time, you know, and and life is short and fleeting, man. So it's, it's really changed my outlook on how connected I want to stay to my, you know, small village of people that are close to me. How I want to impact the world, you know, what legacy I want to leave for my son, you know, what kind of husband I want to be, you know, for my wife um, and all those different, you know, spaces that I share with people. Those things become much more important when you are staring down the barrel of, hey, am I going to be here or not? You know, um, it's not it's the big stuff doesn't matter. It, it's all you're going you're gonna to make money, you're going to lose money, you're going to move money and all this stuff but that stuff man you can't no millionaire has ever been able to cash a check from the grave oh wow that's game not one not one so for me like i don't want like i'm not gonna you know get paid on the first and blow it all on the second and be like i need to live no i ain't saying that <laughs> but but at the same time i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna 
you know, hug my son every night. I'm going to give him a bath every night, you know. I'm going to play with him in the, in the floor. I'm going to, you know, run out in the front yard with him, and I'm going to do all that stuff because, you know, these moments are not guaranteed. And I think that we take for granted, especially being younger, we take for granted that anything can stop us. You know, like when I was 20, 25, you couldn't tell me that I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, how I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I've gotten a little bit older and I see, like, you know, I'm sitting in this in this little chemo unit with this poison being pumped in my arm. I'm like, I can't I can't do nothing but let it happen, you know. And so it it's really made me be more intentional about staying connected to people. Um, health, I think, has also been something that, right. you know, it really helps you focus on whatever you want to accomplish in this life. You cannot do it if you're not healthy, mentally, physically, spiritually will not happen, will yeah. not happen. So. You you touched on a couple things. Uh, number one, the the power of legacy, and I think that one of the biggest things you. How long was your battle with cancer? Uh, full on two years, full uh, on. about a year and a half. Full on two years. At this time, you're thinking about your legacy. You're you know wanting to um, be a, you know be heavily involved. I remember one time you you said that you were completely radioactive when you came home and you couldn't play with your son Khalil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So w- early in the process, they were they were um, they shot me up with these isotopes, and it literally made me radioactive. And, and the doctor said, "Hey, you, you got to stay away from your son, your your family, for for forty eight hours. It may have been seventy two, but it was at least two days. Mm-hmm. You know." So I go home, and I'm and you know I'm like, "All right, babe, when I go into the bedroom, you guys got to go into the living room, you know, and vice versa." And I remember going into the bedroom, and. uh my son was banging on the door, and he was like, Daddy, why won't you play with me? I want to play with you. You won't play with me. And, man, I couldn't do anything but cry because I'm literally, like, I can't touch my son, you know. This is my dude. I, I, I couldn't do it. And, I mean, you know, that really helped. That, it, really, it really hurt me, but it helped me understand, you know, how much people need to, to be connected yeah. and to literally touch one another. Mm. You know, like. The power of a hug or a kiss or an embrace, like people die if they don't get it. And so, you know, that was one of those moments where even if I wanted to, I couldn't do it. And that just that just broke my heart, man. So, you know, I mean, it was several lessons across that journey like that that really made, you know, stuff be much more clear to me. You know, about the the practical living every day and what people need to survive, man. Most of the stuff we we energy, I learned this too. What I need and what I want are two completely different things. Mm. And most of the time we say, I need blah, blah, blah. Nah, you just want that. You need water. You need food. You need shelter. Right. And you it know? sounds like you need love. And you need, yeah. And, 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 and embrace. Yeah. And affection. A- a- acceptance. Right. Everybody yearns and desires except. You could be the most loner type person, you know, but even those people want somebody to accept whatever that is, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that 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 wanting to be accepted, wanting to be loved, wanting to be validated or heard or or respected or whatever that is, man, people people need that, you know. And, And we look at we look at entertainers and folks who who have ascended in whatever you know field they're in and we go man like they got all of this stuff and they got all that but if you look in their eyes there sometimes there's nobody there you know they have 
all of the stuff in the world, but they don't have anybody in there. In the heart. Yeah. You, you just touched me in my heart. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, you know, it's, it's about the stuff that happens in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit that you have to feed constantly because the rest of this stuff, man, nobody's taking it to the grave. No. In fact, I was in Egypt and with some students from Morehouse and Spelman, and um, we went into the tombs, you know, and the yeah, the huge the pyramids. pyramids. Which one did you go in? Did you go in the second biggest one, or you went in the, in the third or the biggest one? We went in the biggest one, and okay. I mean, and they were small. I mean, they're literally like tunnels. You got kind of, you know, you, crouch you, down. You went to the pyramids in Cairo, or did you go to Alexandria, Alexa? Cairo? Okay, Cairo. No, I went to the second. I went to the same, and then we went to the second biggest, the one yeah. in the middle. We went into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same one for yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, man. So they would literally pack all of their treasures. They would embalm the cats. They would embalm. They would uh, bury the servants with them, like everybody's, because they believed that they would go on with them to the path, to the next life. You know. Here's the thing. All of that stuff faded. Like I, I literally, you stand in a room that's like this. You know, it's like about ninety-five degrees, and you can see where they set the stuff or, or where it was. And I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. These people really thought that they could take everything that they've received or attained mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. but they can't. No, nah, and I mean the only thing is is the writing on the wall in there in white, and uh, also you know I think one of the biggest things is people fail to realize like King Tut. King Tut is died as a boy, but he's really famous because he when they found his tomb, mm-hmm. it still had all of the treasure in there. Mm-hmm. Right, so you know that. That's the thing is that other people came and actually took it. extracted. Yeah, extracted the, the, the wealth and everything like that. And then you go to museums like uh, the British Museum or the there's another museum in London. I think it's called the Petrie or, or something like that museum. And it has all of these artifacts with all of the cats and all of the jewels and all of these things. And I'm talking about like so many like so like the actual walls of some of these places they have there. And you just kind of like, wow. Wow, you couldn't you couldn't take it with you. You can't take it with you, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the question: Why spend the majority of our lives chasing stuff that we can't take with us when we leave? Mm-hmm. So that's in reality, it's a misconception, yeah, of reality and what actually matters. Yeah, yeah. My my um my childhood pastor passed away. It might be two years now his wife passed away a month later oh, not even it wasn't even a month later three weeks later mm-hmm. she wasn't sick he was sick she wasn't sick but she left when he left and they were older you know what i mean and so that just lets me know like when you're used to being in relationship with somebody and that is no longer a part of you dies, you know, like breakups, you mm-hmm. know, like ever been through like a bad breakup and you like, I just like, ugh, yeah, like a part of you dies. Yeah, man, for older people, they literally leave. They mm-hmm. die. Not all of them, but, you know, right, like right, right. they can't because of the, the connection. You've been on. You've been married to somebody for 50 something years and they leave here like you, the next day. You think, what will shoot? What? Yeah. What do I do? So let me ask you this. Then how? Your wife, your lovely wife, Asha, how did you guys manage to keep your relationship and your marriage and your bond strong? Because I could imagine that she was a champion like that song we just heard during the time of you guys, uh, you going through um, your 
your chemo and your bout with, with cancer. I mean, I would speak with speak with Ash, you know, from time to time uh, during that time, man. And it, I swear, man, she just was just solid, you know, strong. But how did you guys, you know, because I know even today, I feel like the divorce rate is so high that a lot of people wouldn't stick around for something, you know what I mean, to help somebody do something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. So my wife, I mean, we're, we're people of faith, you know, believe in God. Uh, and, and, and I don't want to say grew up in church like that. We grew up in church like we grew up in a very strong faith based tradition. So that part is what really carried us through, you know, and she and she leaned on that. But she, we also had some systems in place, you know, for her to assist me because I, I mean, I, I carry my son every when he sleep. I carry him in the house, take him to the car, all of that stuff. But she had to do it, you know. And so there's some there's some intestinal fortitude there that she had to go. No, this is my dude and, and we're going to pull through this and I'm going to have to, you know, do my part. Because in wedding vows, it's not for better or for worse when it's convenient. It's for better or for worse. And so hmm. that was the worst. So she signed up to do the worst, you know. And if it ever happened to her, I signed up to do the worst, you know. And so you got to you got to. When you connect yourself to somebody forever and in, and you intend to do it forever, not just, well, let's, I mean, she cool, so we're going to see how cool this is. And if she start acting up, then I'm out of here. No, when you say we're in this forget, t- forever together and let's see what life brings, when you make that commitment and those vows are real to you, you, you we pray and seek wise counsel and then try to put things in place to be able to facilitate what needs to happen to get over the other side of it, you know. So she was amazing. I wouldn't be here. Um, she was the, the number one person that, you know, pulled me through this. She was at every chemo appointment, every surgery, you know, when I was sick at the house. Every, I mean, she was doing everything on top of working, on top of taking care of our son, you know. So that just lets me know that when when if folks out there are trying to choose somebody to be with, you need to connect yourself to your core values or somebody that has similar core values because that's the stuff that, you know, will will help glue you together in those times when it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Core values, man. It's it's my mom used to tell me that. I used to be like, Mom, you wildin'. And she was like, No, you don't get it. You're looking at who she is from an external standpoint, but you know, find out who you are and then find out how somebody compliments that or has the same core values as you because when you know she's not you know as fine as wine and you're not you know tall and slim and whatever you think you are y'all still gonna have to be together and you know those things that are pulling you tighter pulled you tight at the beginning will be the things that hold you tight through you know tough times and and to the end so you know I, i i can't say enough about how tough my wife was through that and she was way stronger than I was man I wish we uh I wish we had her here so we could you know hear her side you know what are some of the things you said you had systems in place in order to to make sure that everything ran as smoothly as possible for those you know who are listening that may be going through uh you know cancer or you know different bouts can you share some of those systems that you had in place that may be able to support them or help them? Yeah. So, like, we had a um, a nutritionist. Okay. You know, um, actually, Lance Armstrong's nutritionist, when he was diagnosed with cancer, you know, my wife got in contact with him. So we had a nutrition plan to help with some of the side effects, um, to help mitigate some of the side effects. Um, when when I could, when I, I guess when I had the energy, you know, 
I would tell my wife, like, I got enough energy to be able to help with these two things or whatever it is. Tell me what they are and I can get them done. You know, so we had to figure out that ebb and flow of, hey, I'm really down and my energy is low. I can't do anything. Um, and then it was, hey, I'm, I'm up a little bit. Let's ride the up wave so I can help. You know, so we, we had to communicate a lot about how I was feeling given where I was in the chemo, you know, cycle. Um, we, 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 we didn't, this was the, probably the single most important thing. We didn't tell anybody that we thought would freak out when I said the word cancer. So most people didn't even know I had it until after, you know, everything was done and, and, you know, I was in remission and then we, you know, told folks, but that was probably the best thing to do. And it's not to hide it and, you know, out of shame or anything. But when you say cancer, people already have you one foot in the grave. Mm. But, and, and, it, and, it, and it's not like they're like, you're going to die. They're like, dang, that's my guy. And people deal with it very different. My cousin actually passed um, after, after, you know, fighting it for four years when I was going through mine. And when he told me something at the beginning of my battle that just kind of helped frame he said, you know, don't be surprised by how people, like people that you've known forever may mm -hmm. not call you. People you've known for two weeks may call you every day. He was like, because they deal with it differently too. Because the terminal, you know, effects of it, like people go, like, I'm, I'm not used to seeing him sick. Or I'm not used to, like, what, what if he leaves here? You know, and so they're going through the battle with you in their mind, but, you, but not telling them was so critical because, you know, my family would call me and go, hey, how you doing? And I'd be like, I'm, you know, I'm at about a three today. You know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of down. And go, okay. And then they call my wife and go, now, how's he really doing? You know? And then some of them would call and just start crying. And I'm like, I don't need to hear that today. You know? Right, so, right, right. so it was just managing the people on the outside of it mm -hmm. really helped us go internal to really get those few systems down that we needed to keep, you know, everything running, you know, in, in motion. But, but, for folks who are dealing with, um, this just worked for me, for folks who are dealing with, you know, significant health challenges, I would say that everybody doesn't need to know because then emotionally you have to channel that energy into managing them. And, and when, when you're dealing with a, a significant health um, scare, it's enough just to, I mean, it takes a ton to wake up and try to facilitate the day without going, well, dang, how's Kev, like, Kev called me like four times and he keeps texting me, you know, like he's freaking out. He even sent me three articles on, you know, black males who got cancer under thirty at thirty seven. You know, like people do that stuff to help, mm -hmm. but they put more on your mind than what needs to be there. Yeah. And, you know, and I just needed to focus on good energy and getting healthy. So, you know, not telling people and a lot of people are like, Oh, we would have been praying for you, we would have been doing this with you and I'm like, Yeah, but you also would have been freaking out too. Right. And I didn't need that. Right. Yeah. Mm, that's powerful, man. Wow. <laughs> I'm I'm speechless. I'm sitting here like listening because some of that stuff, man. Uh, I didn't freak out, but I did have to deal with it. You know what I mean? Myself, you know, and and it was very very tough for me to you know what I mean to understand that about you and stuff. So uh, at that time, but I'm definitely happy that you are here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In remission, <laughs> God is good, and I and I I can't take any credit. God is good. Yeah, my faith in God is absolutely what pulled me through. Um, there's nobody and nothing that can ever remotely change my mind about that. And I never thought I was going to die. Not mm. once. I, the, how did you make sure, how did you maintain that state of mind? 
Like, he, were there were there ever any challenges where it was kind of like, man, this looks a little, you know, dreary, but then you still had in the back of your mind, I'm not, I'm not checking out. No, I had in the front of my mind that I wasn't leaving here, and this is why. Okay. So one of my favorite Bible characters was it is Job, and mm-hmm. and you know, so so, long story short, you know, the devil came and said, hey, hey, God, you know, your man Job is doing well. You know, but if you take all the stuff away from him, he's going to curse you to your face and die. And God was like, nah, you can do whatever you want to do to him, but you can't kill him. He's my he's my guy. He's not going to you know, he's not going to turn his back on me. And so, you know, God gave the devil permission to do every like killed his family off, took all of his land, took all of his riches, if uh, you know, and uh, inf- uh, affected his body, infected his body with, you know, like boils and all kind of stuff. And Job never cursed God to his face. So this was kind of like my real life Job experience. And it's one of those things where it's like, all right, if you read this and you live this and you say that you're going to do this and you have faith beyond what you can see, then here's your chance to prove it. And so that's what pulled me through. Like rarely in life do we get a chance to really live the stuff that we talk about, you know, be it in church or out of church or just your, your dreams or goals. But when you're presented with the challenge that makes you either sink or swim, you make a decision right then to either sink or swim. And I decided to swim, you know, and so I can't talk about hope and inspiration and, you know, trying to be Christ-like if I never dealt with anything that forces me to do that. And this forced me to do it. So there was there was never a day where I was like, man, I'm about to, you know, be up out of here. But it was, I mean, it was some dark days. Don't don't get me wrong. Like, every day wasn't like a, I'm a soldier. It was like, you know, several days where I cried and was sick and all that stuff. But I knew it was for a, a greater purpose. And it, it was not time for me to leave here. And while you were sick, you were battling this for two years. You were still employed and still working at the university. Mm-hmm. How do, you know, you say you had some days where you were at a three and you didn't have quite have the energy, but you were commuting, driving yourself to work and stuff. How do you keep that? that motivation man and that just strength the strength in that mentally to do that because you're dealing with so many different personalities you got students at the school who might be sensitive could be insensitive you got people at the job who probably want your job right who might try to take advantage of this situation whether they're aware or not or they just notice that something's different because i know you said that you keep uh, that you kept it uh close to heart Mm -hmm. how do how do you how do you move throughout that i mean man you know i've always been throughout different stages of my life there's always been these seminal moments that would either make or break me mm-hmm. from a young age and so i've always taken the 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 you know posture of this ain't going to break me it's not and i can control how i move through this situation and so i i decided to take the same thing you know when i was in high school um my coach at the time had two sons on the team and he would favor them over the team and he was putting them over the team. Mm-hmm. And so I was one of the better players on the team and, and and he would do things to me that were unfair and every all the team would be watching to see what I, how I would react. And I just, I, you know, you can, you if we react in different ways, we give people control over our lives that they don't deserve. And it was the same thing with the cancer. Like I wasn't going to let that coach take me out of my character you know he didn't deserve that and he and he wasn't strong enough to do it cancer was the same cancer was not going to stop me from being who i was when adversity hits you know never 
And so I just I'm and I'm competitive. I want to win. And and so I put myself in that mindset that I'm going to beat this. And I'm going to beat it by showing up. I'm going to beat it by, you know, backing off when I know it, you know, my energy is down. Mm-hmm. But Being honest, you have to be honest yeah, with yourself. Yeah. But but I, but but you have to be determined about who you are when adversity hits. Like if you don't know who you are when ad- adversity comes, then you're not going to be appreciative of what happens, you know, when things are are going well. Like you got to hit you got to get hit that adversity. It's called adversity strength. You mm-hmm. know, me and me and one of my friends um actually with the Clark um we talk about, you know, adversity strength and being able to pull yourself through and find out what you have in you when you're going through stuff. And some people quit, you know, but that's where you learn the best lessons. So when you have to go back to that space, you know, you go, no, nah, I've been here before. And then mm-hmm. you, you, you've just figured out how to soldier through. Okay. All right, cool. Man, so I want to switch modes a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about winning and being a competitor. Here you go. Yeah, when we used to play at Clark, bro, I used to be giving you the business. Boy, stop. So, you know. He we, here. Lying. Come on, man. You used to get worked out. I mean, we was on the team together a lot of time, but you was definitely getting worked out a little bit. And though. when you guarded me, you got the business. No, bro, that's not true. You, I was, you was getting worked out. Kev. Come on, man. Stop. I was he's, like he's a pharmacist, doing, right? I was he, like a pharmacist. He is doing I'm this for to everybody you. in the studio and for the audience. Make man, no mistake. Jumper was suspect, you. and he didn't have any hops. Jumper's never. I didn't have no hops. My, go on. <laughs> you was there to right, shoot when you, I went okay, in the game. I'll be fair. I'll be fair. I'll be fair. You could touch the bottom of the backboard. Oh, that's that's fair wild. Game. That's, that's wild. Fair game. You wasn't there running shoot when you, I windmilled in the you game? You had hops like Clay Thompson. Disrespect. The disrespect. You're not going to keep it real? All right, man. You could jump. I told you she could touch the bottom of the box. We, we live on air, bro. This is going to podcast. You're not going to keep it solid? I'm, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Wow, this guy. Oh, he's over here laughing. Y'all got to watch the Facebook Live. He's out of control. Out of control. He's... <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll keep it real. Kev was whack. I mean, I'm just... I wow. I don't know how to put it, man. You know, like, where's the footage? Where's the footage? We need oh, footage. Oh, man, that's crazy. No, Kev, so Kev could play. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Kev could play. <laughs> Kev could play. We, we we played a lot of... You know, we found common ground. Once again, talking about that relationship building piece, we found common ground in basketball. So that's how we, you know, built our relationship. But Kev could play. And and when I played with him, we you won know, a lot. Yeah, and then when I played against him, you know, I killed him. He struggled, and you Come know, on, it's, it's okay, man. Everybody can't be perfect. You know, you gotta have some some flaws, and yours was guarding me. So oh, you know. wow, do not <laughs> do Sorry. not believe the high beautiful Sorry, people. But now nah, I will admit though, like you, me and Mob definitely went back and forth. He definitely gave me some work sometimes. I definitely gave him some work. And, and for know. real, for real, for real, yeah. for real, for real. Yeah, nobody, uh-huh. nobody. Uh huh made Skechers look as good as you did when you hooped in those, bro. That's wild. I, Skechers wasn't even out. So you sound you crazy. You had the exclusives. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had I had the I had the uh the the Steph Curry joints, the nurse looking ones. You wild. Ain't nobody wearing no uh no Skechers, but beautiful people. <laughs> Dr. Raphael Moffitt, my mentor, my fraternity brother, always uh support, man. So happy to have you here. Thank you, brother. Likewise, um, love you, man. Yeah, no, nah, I love you too. And we are definitely, we're out. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. 
Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. I know my rent.